Dutcher. This is another Rocker Mike Presents. Right. This is a Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. Yep. Uh, and we have an unbelievable guest today, uh, the famous Joey Marlin from the band Bad Finger. Um, he was the guitarist in that band. And um, he has a new album coming out this week called Be True to Yourself. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the history of Badfinger. And hopefully Joey's going to have a good time being here. We're so glad he's here. Say hello, Joey. Well, hello there. Hello to both of you guys. Hello to the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm really glad that uh, you got this new album coming out. It's been a while since you released anything, right? Yeah, about 10 years or something. Maybe a little bit less than that, but about 10 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, and, and and I did check some of it out. It's fantastic. Thank you, man. But yeah, but you know, now you're originally from Liverpool, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, in doing the research on you, and I, I always really get into the research on everybody we talk about. Um, you played in some garage bands in the early uh, mid '60s, pretty much before Badfinger. Uh, one band was called the Assassins. One band was called the Profiles. And you also played in the band called the Masterminds around 1965, That's right? Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's interesting because you were on Immediate, and you did a cover of Bob Dylan's "She Belongs yeah. to Me." Yeah, and and that's a fantastic song. And I said to myself, I said, "The Masterminds, the Masterminds." I've heard of this. I went into my record collection, and I found a uh, Immediate Singles Volume One CD. And there you there are. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, right, right, right yeah. there, right there with the with the uh, the Jimmy Page session stuff and yeah, you know, yeah. other things that were going on on the media at that yeah. time. And and I listened to it. I'm like, you know, I remember buying this album and being like, this is all great stuff. And here I am talking to you. So it's fantastic. <laughs> Boy, that's a while ago now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mike, but, were you, you know, saying that he played in the George Harrison album too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to that. But I don't want to jump too far ahead because there's another band I got to mention, Gary Walker and the Rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, pl you played with them from 67 to 69. Yeah. Now, did you play on the song Spooky? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. That's what, yeah. And, and I said to myself, I said, that name is really familiar. And I started poking around, and I said, "All right, that's the song Spooky." Yeah. And but now, was that was that a hit? Did you have a hit with was that? It, or was that more it like was a, a kind of minor hit in England? Uh, yeah, we I guess in the top fifty or something like that. It wasn't a big hit though. So. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like a one-hit wonder kind of thing, right? We did. Well, bit. we did an album, and uh, you know, Gary was the drummer with the Walker Brothers, and he he reformed the band. Right. We had some hits in Japan. Uh, from the, from that same album, and uh, that was kind of when I started to write songs right around there. Yeah, you were writing for that band. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I wrote maybe four or five songs oh, for the great. album. Yeah. Now, from this band is how you got into Badfinger, right? You you did an audition with the Ivies, yes. which we all know became Badfinger yeah. in the in the history of yeah. them, and. Um, you know, how, how did you how did you feel about that? I mean, was that a band you really wanted to join? Yeah. Did someone kind of direct you? Or yeah, I was I, I was I was recommended to join them. Uh, they were called the Ivies at the time. I'd seen them on the TV, 
and they would have been, they were very poppy in those days those early days yeah and i was a kind of more of a rhythm and blues guy uh rock and roll player you know what i mean chuck Berry and all that and uh right and right, so right. i kind of dug that music and i was a bit nervous about going down but uh, my friends in liverpool were telling me they were working with the beatles i should go at least give them a shot uh, see how see what you think of them when you meet them and that and so i, I did right, i went right. to london and uh auditioned for them uh they were very nice cats and uh you know I got the job in the band. I was surprised that they gave it to me. Actually, a lot of other people after it, and uh, I joined them. And, and so, you know, started making records with them and everything. Uh, yeah, right. Now, now, come and get it was a song written for them specifically by Paul McCartney. I don't, I, I, I don't think he wrote it for the band specifically. I think, I think okay. uh, he'd written it for uh, Ringo's new movie. Um, the Magic Christian, which was a song all about money. And uh, uh, if you want to hear it, come and get it. But he, he read yeah. something where uh, one of the members of the, the Ivies uh, said they weren't very happy about working with the Beatles. They hadn't done much for them. They didn't seem to be getting anywhere. And, uh, of course, Paul, Paul read that somewhere, and he went around there and gave them that song. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of noise on this. Are you? Uh, I, I, I hear, I'm okay on my end. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I hear you guys perfectly. Like I hear okay, you guys cool, perfect. You sound great. Cool. So, yeah. Paul took the song around to them in reaction to that uh, uh, interview that he'd read, and he gave it to them, and he said, "You learn this song just like I recorded it, and I'll come round next week, take you in the studio." and produce a record for you, and it will be your first hit single, this. And so right. that's what he did. He gave them the Come and Get It song, yeah? And that, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Now, uh, th there's a little bit of a backstory with this. I wanted to ask you a question. Because the band said that they kind of wanted to change it a little bit. Uh, they, when they were talking to Paul McCartney, and McCartney says, no, you got to do it exactly like this because this is the hit. That's right? exactly right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, just curious. I mean, in, in in the time they you joined the band, was there any indication how they wanted to do it? No. No. Okay, you just, oh, just there was no story. With no, that. they okay. just told me okay. the story about him saying that, and he was very insistent. You know, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, question: Badfinger. Now, the name Badfinger. The the official story was always that. It was a, um, a song about, by John Lennon called Bad Finger Boogie. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and, and you guys took the name from that. But there's another kind of side story with that, and I want you to kind of set the record straight, Joey. What, was, it, was it from the Bad Finger Boogie song, or was it a stripper from Germany named Helga Fab Dick? Oh, that, it was the, it was the it, stripper it, from it, Germany, man. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it had to be that. <laughs> I like that story better anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay, so Bad Fingers now a band. They're not the Ivies anymore. And they the lineup at this point was Pete Ham singing, right? right? Tom, Tom Evans had moved over to bass when you joined. Yep. You had Mike Gibbons on drums and then yourself on guitar. And Pete Ham played guitar yeah, too. Yeah. Um, Ham and Evans were the main songwriters. 
Okay, though I know you all contributed, right? Uh, um, kind of right, kind of right. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure there was some input. You know, whatever the official, uh, you know, songwriting goes to. But um, now, over a period from seventy to seventy-two, you had a bunch of smash yeah. hits. Yeah, yeah. You know, come come and get it was a worldwide hit. Okay, now you kind of walked into that. I mean, that was a song that. They they basically had you joined the band. What, what, was it already in the Was it already in the charts? Like high no, up the charts no. when you when it you wasn't joined? even out. No? It wasn't even out. Oh, was it wasn't out yet. Yeah, uh, okay. I joined the band and the record came out. They actually changed their name then to Badfinger, uh, and the record came out under the name Badfinger, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. of course it was a big hit, like you were saying, and um, and we carried on then making records. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. It, other songs, no matter yeah. what, day after day, baby blue, without you, okay, which has been covered a few times over the years. Um, now, day after day, I got to tell you, it was one of the first singles I ever bought as a kid. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the first si- actual single I ever bought, and I've mentioned it a few times, is is the Sweets' Little Willie. Oh yeah, 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 man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah, and, and I think you might might have been the second one. I remember having that day after day single. And, you know, years later when I understood music more, I was like, wow, I'm hearing George Harrison on there. And he was on there. That's right. right. You had played some slide guitar <laughs> on there. Yeah. 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 Now, from the beginning, uh, Badfinger was always, you know, compared to the Beatles. People were saying they're the next Beatles. Uh, you know, how, how did that that i mean it had to be pressure in a way but how did that affect the band as far as the relationships in the band or the songwriting it didn't it, i tell you it really didn't have any effect on the band other than we thought these people must be mad saying things like that about us uh you know as far as we were concerned we were we were just a band working on writing songs and uh making records like uh, all the other bands uh, were doing uh, well, I mean, I you know, when you listen to Badfinger, you do hear a little, you know, Beatles influence. Obviously, oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. But everybody was influenced by the Beatles. That's right, man. That's right. All right you know, and, and, and you were, you know, you were kind of I think I watched a documentary and you kind of had said something in the past that you almost took it as a maybe a, a, I might not be quoting you exactly right, but like a challenge. Well, we, we, maybe it made us work a bit harder, but I don't really see that. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, it was a little bit embarrassing, really, to be always compared to them. You know, we grew up in Liverpool, played the same clubs, learned our guitar right. from the same uh, guitar players they learned from, learned all the old songs, learned all the new songs, and we had the Beatles influence as well because the Beatles were getting big too. And uh, so we had all of those influences plus them. And when we came to do our stuff, make our records, like everybody else, we, we poured out the influences that we had. And it, you know, it wasn't a question of copying. It was a question of just your influences coming out, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and maybe it, it, it kind of came from the fact that you were on Apple. Well... I think, you know, yeah. people looked at that. Oh, that's a Beatles. That's a Beatles label. Yeah, or the Beatles you know? are tailoring them to be the next Beatles or something. You know, who yeah, knows? Yeah, you know, but... maybe that's where it came. It's a lot of publicity. You probably, I mean, I'm glad to hear you didn't pay that much attention well, to it because I could see how 
that could really mess with a band. You know how the, that kind of press. You know, magazines were writing that about us. Rolling Stones wrote that about us. The Rolling Stone magazine, and uh, they were saying these are the kind of records the Beatles should be making, and uh, that was a bit crazy. We thought that was nuts, you know. Uh, yeah, so, sure, so sure. Uh, yeah, it influenced us a little bit, but we, it never really, never really kind of changed our minds or anything like that, you know. No, no, that's that's good to hear. Now, because you were on Apple, I guess, and friends with the friends with the Beatles, you ended up playing on uh, George Harrison's "All Things Must Pass." Yep. yep. Uh, you were also on the the, the concert for Bangladesh yeah. that he yeah. did. Um, we did a show a few months ago on George Harrison's "All Things Must Pass." Yeah. Every every month or so, we do a show just based on a certain album. Every month or two. And uh, this was one of my all-time favorite albums. I think it's the best Beatles solo album, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what was your contribution on that? Uh, he, he asked us to play acoustic guitars for him, and that's what we did. Uh, Mike played a bit of percussion as we went along, but Pete and Tommy right. and I all played acoustics. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that was it. We played rhythm for him. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Now you're also, I saw some some uh, information here that you were asked to play on John Lennon's Imagine record, but they didn't use the tracks. Uh, we we did a couple of songs on there, and uh, we played on Jealous Sky, and we played on I Don't Want to Be a Soldier. Uh, I, I think John got us down there to play on Jealous Sky, but he ended up using the stuff on I Don't Want to Be a Soldier, so that's why he gave us. Uh, credit for her, and that's what I get my royalties for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, to, I'm, I'm kind of blown away. I'm talking to a guy that played on John Lennon's Imagine and George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. I mean, if you had only just done that, I would be amazed. Okay, but you have this like, you know, amazing career in Badfinger, um, but there was a lot of problems. And, um, and we got roped in with crooks and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I was gonna, you know, wanted to bring that up a little bit, and you could talk about it as much as you're comfortable. Well, they, um, they left us pretty much destitute at the end of it. The end of the band was in late '74. Uh, yeah. Well, when I left the band, I had 700 bucks, uh, uh, and that's a fact. Uh, out of all the records, all the royalties, all the gigs. Uh, everywhere you can make money in music, I made seven hundred bucks for those four years, and uh, now, a lot, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the, uh, yeah, that's 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 wow. crazy. Uh, a, a lot of seven hundred bucks. Of this could be blamed on the fact that you were involved with Stan Polly. Oh yeah, he's the crook I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna name him. You know, he definitely ripped you guys oh, off. Um, you know, did did. What made you sign with this guy? I mean, is there anything well, that specifically like, was it that he was it that he, you know, was representing Al Cooper or what? What was? Yeah, it? that was all part of it. The, the main reason we signed with him was we needed help uh, getting a, a, a tour of America on the back of those hit records we'd had. We'd had "Come and Get It" was a big hit, and then we had "No Matter What" coming out, and we needed help doing that. And he was suggested to us. Uh, we had a connection with him through our agent in England, a fellow named Barry Marshall. Uh, 
right. he booked Lou Christie, and Lou Christie was managed by uh, Stan Polly. Uh, right. And Paul, you know, Lou went through the same deal as we did with with uh, Polly. Uh, I've heard that. awful. Anyway, so that's how we got with him. We needed a business manager, and somebody connected with the American showbiz. Uh, to be able to get us on the road or, uh, over here, and unfortunately, basically, he he put you guys kind of on a salary, right? Well, and, and and was supposed to be watching the rest of. The well, world. that's what we did. We all agreed to that. He, did, you know, we wanted to save a bit of money. Uh, we formed a corporation for tax purposes. They said, and uh, right, you know, the you know the rest of it was just mumbo jumbo money talk, and uh, right. we did take a minimal wage. We made like three hundred and fifty a week. And uh, which was good money in those days, by the way. But uh, sure, we never saved the money. He just took the rest of the money and spent it on expenses and whatever he liked, you know. So yeah, his expenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Now in '71, you guys were ready to make your third album called Straight Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that was originally produced by Jeff Emmerich, but Apple had a problem with it, right? Yeah, it, it didn't turn out well. Uh, originally, actually, Tommy Evans and Pete Ham produced it, uh, but they weren't producers, and so the record sounded a bit kind of crude. Uh, it was given to Jeff Emmerich, and he remixed it, but it still wasn't right. wasn't good enough sound. So uh, it was decided then, you know, that George would take over, and uh, George Harrison, that is. And, um, right. yeah, he, he produced it, really. And you were you were satisfied with that? I think he did a, he did a fantastic job. And actually, uh, he... I love that album. He gave it up in, in the middle uh, because he got involved with the Bangladesh tragedy. And uh, he, he wanted to do something for that. So George asked Todd Runkren to take over the production, uh, which he did. Yeah, Todd Runken came in and did a fantastic job. It was very hard to work with, but he did an incredible job. Right. And the album came out and was really well received. We had a couple of hit records on it, the day after day, Baby, day, Baby day Blue. Day was a, uh, yeah, now, ba ba that's Baby, a great song, yeah, great Baby song. Blue, if I had to pick my favorite Badfinger song, it's probably that one, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a knockout a number. Song, it's yeah. one of my favorites myself. It's great to play live. Yeah. Just think, it, did, did you... Did you realize they they used it at the end of Breaking? Oh Bad? yeah, sorry. What a yeah. knockout! What a knockout! <laughs> that reminded me. It reminded me of, of two things. One, it was a really good rock record. It sounded like yes. a beat group playing beat music, yeah, and did. the drumming on it is incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, that's my I favorite one. I love that. I love that in Breaking Bad. That yeah, that, that yeah, was fantastic. I love it, man. Well, you gotta love that when Martin Scorsese uses one of your songs. You know, it's incredible, yeah. incredible. One of your records. Yeah. It's just the same with "Without You." Uh, used "Without You" in a casino. You know, casino, casino, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. The scene when it, it was the scene when uh, him and uh, De Niro and Sharon Stone, I think, were fighting. Or yeah, something, that, that's right. right. Yeah, she's screaming. Yeah, she's screaming her head off, and then all of a sudden you hear the the Nilsson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he was good friends with with Harry Nilsson, so I guess that's why he used his version. Yeah, but your your version, I love it, and and it kind of it gets forgotten. I don't know why. A lot of people I've spoken to, they didn't even know that it was a cover, and I'm like, yeah, man, you got to hear this. This is the original version. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. but it it's great. <laughs> but now 
the, the your fourth album came out in '73 on Apple. It would be the last yeah. one for that for that label, and it was called yeah. X. All right. <laughs> give us a give us a story how you came up with the name. Well, by the by, by that time <laughs> we were. Uh, you know, we were we, we kind of knew things were getting wrong, and we didn't know anything about what we were doing. We knew nothing about the music business even then, and uh, so we we got the you know the image of ourselves as a as like a donkey. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, Tommy came up with the title of Ash, and uh, so we had a a friend of ours, a painter, Peter Corriston, painted the picture of a donkey with some headphones. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, kind of nice like that. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, it's a great album. That's outfit. really what it's about. Uh, we were a bunch of, we were a bunch of dopes, you know, just going along with it. And enjoying ourselves, doing our best, but just getting cleaned out, you know. Now, Polly was negotiating a deal with you for Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, were you, you know, it's funny because you were on salary, he was supposed to be, you know, saving your money in an account and all that stuff. Um, did you have any inkling at that point that he was up to no good or, or still by that point you were all right? Well, we, yeah, we were kind of all right, really. We were going along with the picture. We thought the money was being saved. Uh, it wasn't until 74 that we really knew that the money was going, you know, and it was gone, really. Yeah. The uh, Yeah. Yeah. We were doing all our gigs and, and the records were selling well. We were getting big royalties from Apple and making lots of money. We thought, great, we're saving up the money. Uh, and we were going to do a thing, man. I don't know if you know about this, but the idea was to save up the money. And by 73, 74, we would have had about $5 million in the bank. And the, the wow. idea then in the corporate world was to go public. And uh, uh-huh. to sell shares in, in Badfinger Enterprises. And, Whoa. Uh, now, wait a, wait a minute. I got to interrupt you for a second because a certain, wow, a certain, a certain New York band did that a couple of years later. Do you know which one, Joe? Uh, I, I don't, but I know I know the I know um, David Bowie. It was did Kiss. It. Oh, was it Kiss? It, yeah, wow. Kiss, Kiss was the first. Kiss was selling Kiss stock in the 70s. Holy cow. Well, there you go, man. Uh, yeah, and you would have beat them too, probably by about five, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. wow, I never knew that. That would have been a great. Oh my god, that would have been that would have changed the industry had you done something like yeah. that. A big band like you guys doing yeah. that. Wow, that's that's great. That's great. Now I'm a little confused about one thing because you you left you left Apple, you signed with Water Brothers, but you immediately start working on a new album, which would be your fifth album. The self-titled Badfinger, yeah. right? Now, both these albums got released, and they were kind of very close to each other at the same time. What was the thinking with that? Uh, Did, was that intentional? Hey, hey, or who not? knows? I've got no idea. I know, uh, you know, we didn't want to leave Apple. Alan Klein made it impossible for us to stay. Uh, just yeah. the deal he offered us was—it was worse than the deal that we got when we signed with them in the first place. Because uh, the Beatles record deal was really good. Uh, but, of course. of course, Klein came in. He, he did a normal record company deal, which are all, were all bad in those days. The artists got nothing and paid for everything. That was basically the deal. Um, so uh, our manager, uh, Polly, we're talking about, went to Warner's. Warner Brothers gave us a fortune 
or offered us a fortune right away uh, when Apple was really acting like they didn't want us. And um, they were breaking up in London. The Beatles had broken up. The company was going down. So we really didn't yeah. have a choice. But it, the first song on the Ass album is Apple of My Eye. Great and that's song. a song about that. It's about specifically Apple. Yeah. about Apple. Yeah, come on. And so, and who wants to leave the label that the Beatles own? You know, it'd be, be stupid, you know? So uh, anyway, uh, we made the first Warner album. And like you say, Apple released the Ass album and Warner Brothers released the uh, the first Badfinger album. And yeah, they died. Both of the albums died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would think that had... You know, one been out, well, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, if the Apple one came out first and had done well yeah. and you waited a, waited a little bit for the next one, that might have done well, too. But the fact that the two were out at the same time, maybe people were not going to buy two albums. That's right. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and it's not like, you know, that's that's a strange dynamic because by mm -hmm. the 70s, you didn't see too many bands recording two albums in one year anymore no that was more that was more of a you know, 60s thing though I, I will say bands like the ramones and some of the punk yeah, bands yeah. and the ramones they did yeah. that you know they released two albums in, in one year but that was even even then that was a throwback to the 60s doing that it was intense yeah, yeah yeah you know but but uh so that year in 74 you did a big u.s tour right yeah yeah how did that go? Because I've I've heard that was one of your yeah. Best. We had a, it was it was it was really successful for us. The crowds were great. The band was good. Right. Uh, a lot of good songs. Uh, we were jammy. Uh, all the things I think the people wanted from a rock band in those days. Uh, Bad finger was it, you know. So uh, yeah, it was really good. We were looking forward to a bright future. Uh, and then we went in at the end of it, and we recorded another album. Uh, we, that's the uh, Wish You Were Here album, That's right, right yeah. And uh, okay. it really turned out pretty good. We did the tracks down at Caribou. Uh, and like I say, we just come off the road, so the band was tight and hot, you know what I mean? Uh, Caribou is Caribou's in Colorado. Yeah, right? Caribou, the Caribou Ranch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you recorded some of it there, some of it in London. That's right. We did all the backtracks in, in America at the Caribou Ranch, and we did the overdubs, the vocals and some strings and what have you uh, over at Air London, uh, George Martin studio. Yeah. Right. Now, another uh, title, genre, whatever you want to call it, that you guys been called as power pop. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and I definitely would call it that. Uh, did, did, did you use that term at the time or that was more something that came a little bit it later? It came a little bit later. Yeah. We were credited with kind of starting the genre, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's funny because um, we did a me and Rob did a a show on Sunday on the band Big Star. Do you oh, remember? Oh yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Now now they've always been in my mind, you know, you guys too. I guess at the same time, one of the first what you would call power pop. There was also the Raspberries out of Ohio. There was a band called Blue Ash that was kind of like that, also out of Ohio. But you know. There was no genre power pop, but Big Star, in in hindsight, kind of gets that credit for being one of the first power pop bands sure as well. And I, I understand you guys did a show with Big Star once. Do you remember no. that? No, I think it was in '74. I'm, I 
if, if anyone listening is, you know, corrects me, that's fine. I could be wrong. I think it might have been in Wisconsin. Yeah, maybe, maybe we sure yeah, they they played all over, so it could have been anything. They open yeah. for you guys. Yeah, yeah, they open for you guys. Yeah. All right, so now you after the tour, you did the "Wish You Were Here" album, and that came out in October of '74. Yeah. But now during that year, problems with Warner Brothers started because of an account that Stan Polly had opened, but he wouldn't reveal the whereabouts to Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers was, you know, sending him threatening letters and he ignored them. Is that basically how it happened? Uh, that... That's not the story we got. Uh, and, and Wish You Were Here came out in, I think, July. Uh, oh, okay. My mistake. I think in July. And uh, about three weeks after it came out, uh, all of a sudden it was pulled from the shelves. Yes. And, and uh, it, was, it was just wow. pulled off the shelves. And a lawsuit was filed by Warner's against the members of Badfinger because uh, I think $320,000 had gone missing from an escrow account uh, that contained... When, well, wow. i got to go back a little bit. When we signed with Warners, they gave us a, a, a great record deal. And part of that record deal was they put $600,000 in an escrow account. And we were going to do six albums for it, for them. They were going to give us uh, a quarter of a million or 225000 in cash, and they were going to take $100,000 uh, out of that escrow account and give us that. And that was what we got right. paid for in advance for the, for the album every time we delivered a Warner album. Well, somehow uh, we were told that Polly had gotten into that escrow account and filtered out over $300,000. Oh my God! And, wow. uh, and I got that story from the head of Warner Music, uh, was was a guy named Ed Silver, a uh, great guy. Um, I gotta tell you, we always had a great time with Warner's. Joe Smith was the president. Uh, Ed Silver was one of the music departments, and they both loved loved Badfinger. Uh, so we had a great relationship with them. They told us that as soon as they got that escrow account sorted out, they dropped the lawsuit. And we could go back to our normal career, you know. Uh, yeah. So it was obvious where the money had gone. Uh, we couldn't get any money. I couldn't even buy a tape recorder. I wanted to buy a TIAC. You know the four-track TIAC? It, yeah, it, it yeah, came yeah. out that year. Now, that was a new yeah, thing. And yeah, and it was right. the first one. Uh, so I wanted to get one because I use it for writing songs. Of course. And uh, I couldn't get the money. They were only a 1000 bucks. you know? You should have had, you should have been able to get it. Man, I'd written half of the music Badfinger recorded, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, the A side gets as much money as the B side or the B side. So yeah, I, knew, yeah. I knew I had money and I knew the rest of the band had money. I couldn't get $1,000. Uh, did, did you ever confront Polly or, or was he just, you couldn't? No, yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't talk to Polly anymore. He was gone. He was living in some dream world. I, I don't know where it was, but. Uh, Probably was out of the country. Yeah, yeah, he was gone. He was, he was. I don't know what he was doing, and I, I didn't, I didn't really care. All I cared about was uh, I couldn't get this machine. You know, I lived in a rented house and drove a used car. You know, uh, and you're in one of the biggest bands, we were, you know, in the world. We at were that making time. a lot of money. Yeah, we, we didn't even yeah. know how popular we were. You know what I mean? We, we weren't like rock stars in that sense. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the songs were on the radio. Everybody knew them. Yeah, songs. for sure. And they were buying the records. You should have had the money. That's, that's right. We should have took the money uh, because we got the money from Apple. Yeah. They paid us, you know, but it all went to the manager and he kept it. He just spent it. Yeah. I mean, willy-nilly, you know. Damn. So now with this, with all this kind of, you know, culminate and, and climax, I should say, by the end of 74, because you leave the band. That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted, I, I mean, what was, what was the, what was the background of that? I, well, I wanted to make that final I wanted decision? to get rid of, rid of, rid of Polly. Uh, I just wanted to get rid of him. And so did Tommy and so did Mike, but Pete didn't want to. Pete was loyal to him or was he just didn't know how to do it? Well, yeah, maybe that's good. He didn't know how to deal with it. And and actually, uh, we were rehearsing for a... We had an English (laughs) tour coming up and uh, our first one in about four years. And Pete was so angry about the poly situation and the lawsuit coming from Warners, uh, he left the band. Yeah, for a little while, He up and left the band, yeah. And so yeah. uh, he came back. We got a keyboard player for named Bob Jackson. Uh, yes. And we started rehearsing for the tour. Uh, and anyway, he came back in. And, uh, I said, well, what are we going to do about the, about the poly situation? And still Pete wanted to stay with him. So I said, well, look, if you're staying with him, if you're staying with Polly, I'm leaving. Uh, I didn't see any point in staying. Uh, so... Well, you were getting ripped off, right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Basically. We basically were. Why would you stay in that situation? Yeah. Well, no, Pete didn't believe it. He just he just didn't believe it. Well, I'll tell you what. I left the band in, after the tour of England. Um, I said, I'll do the tour, but on, on the day after it, I'm leaving. And that's yeah. what I did. Um, so... But you, you ended up connecting with... Uh, Jerry Shirley from Humble Pie. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, that was a little. And you started. Yeah, little... You, you started the band. You started the band Natural yeah. Gas. Another another great name. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. Another great one. Um, and you you did a successful tour at one point with Peter Frampton, who also was originally in Humble that's Pie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, now, um, but in April of '75, you got the terrible news about Pete. That's right. right. That's right. I mean. How 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 did you? I'm, stupid question, but I mean, I'm sure you were crushed. But how how'd you take that? I mean, I didn't really know how to take it. I, I was uh, I was devastated. I'd known Pete was a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, we'd had all that success together, and uh, I don't know. I was just ashamed of it. I couldn't do anything about it. Of course, I had no real idea yeah. why, uh, and I still really don't. I can think things, but I don't really know why I did it. Uh, I know his wife was going to have a baby very shortly then, uh, and uh, he tried to get some money from Polly, um, and Polly he was told by the you know the office in New York that there wasn't any money left, uh, it was all gone, and so uh, the next day Pete went out uh, got drunk with Tommy, they both, uh, and then yeah. he went home and hung himself, uh, and I. I really don't know why he did it. He didn't say why he was doing it in his note. Uh, he did leave a note, but it didn't exactly say why. No, it didn't. No, just, he, he blamed Polly for all the bad things that had happened to him. Um, called him a soulless bastard, actually, in the note. But 
Yes, yes. But but uh, nothing really happened. Peter was dead. You know, it was it was a, it was a disaster. I know Tommy was really affected by it. He was uh, close with Pete every day. Uh, Mike was very very angry about the whole thing. And of course, I'd left, uh, and I was trying to get on with my life. I was flat busted broke. I was sleeping in a spare bedroom, at a, and my wife and I were sleeping in the spare bedroom. I should say. Uh, of a friend yeah. of ours in LA, and uh, we didn't know what to do about it. We had no idea. We couldn't get any money. Uh, we had no money. So what are you going to do? You know. Well, so a couple of years go by. You 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 played with Natural Gas. Yeah. You did some great great live shows with Frampton. Yeah. But 1978 comes along, and you kind of reconnect again with Tom Evans. Yes. Yeah. And, and you put and you put Badfinger back together a little different. Well, way. here's the story. Uh, I've met two guys when I was living in LA, and this was after Natural Gas. Uh, I've met two fellas from Chicago: uh, Joe Chancini, guitar player, songwriter, and uh, Kenny Hawk, a drummer. Um, and they came around to see me. And I, I jammed with them and stuff, and I liked the songs that Joe wrote. And we, we were putting it right. together, and we didn't have a bass player. So I called Tommy just to see what he was up to. And he wasn't really up to anything. Uh, I think he was he was working or something. But uh, he, he said he'd come over, and uh, he flew over. And we, we started playing together, and we enjoyed it. It was good. And he liked the songs, too. And he had some great songs with him. He brought them with him, of course. And uh, so we, we, we started making demos, and... We made we made a record. When we made a demo, we got offered a record deal by Electra Asylum, and a nice deal. And we started to make a record. And as the the record went on, it what Electra Asylum started saying, "Boy, this sounds like Badfinger." Uh, you know, with Tommy <laughs> singing lead, me singing harmony with him, or me singing lead, Tommy singing harmony, it sounded like Badfinger. So. Uh, they they really talked us into using the name. It wasn't something we were really uh, pushing to do, but yeah, yeah, we used the name, and uh, the record came out. And the rest is history, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, now you made two new, two albums in that reformed Badfinger. One album called uh, Airwaves that came out in '78, and then one called Say No More that came out in '81. Yeah. But it was shortly after that that the band split up yeah. all right uh and the the you know kind of the to me one of the worst things that could happen to a band kind of happened and that's when you got two versions of the same band touring around yeah yeah all right you had your you had your version yeah and tommy evans had his and you were you know both out there at the same time what 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 happened there what was the split about the split was about uh the second album we came to record it and um, the producer uh, uh, or the, the, the record company rep came up and he only brought us half of the advance. And they were supposed to bring the advance for us. It wasn't much, but they were supposed to bring it all. And they only brought half of it. And they said they'd give us the rest uh, when we went to make the record in Miami. And that wasn't the deal at all. So uh, I took my tape of songs out we were happened to be playing a tape of my songs uh, at the rehearsal. And um, I took my tape. I said, look, well, I'm going home. Uh, and, and if you call the label and get the money up, then I'll come back to rehearsal. 
and uh, Tommy and uh, Tony K, I believe, uh, did a deal with the guy that night uh, where they would take the half of the royalties and they would carry on doing the pre-production and kind of fuck Joey Mullins. So, wow. so I, uh, no, I was working with, uh, half, it was really half of the band from the Airwaves album, Joe Chancini, uh, the other songwriter. And he and I put a band together. I wasn't, I, I was not going to be uh, sacked out of Badfinger uh, for not agreeing with, with uh, you know, the record company. So I did, yeah. I did. I formed a band and I, I, I called Tommy up. I called him a few names. Uh, he called me a few names. And, uh, wow. and so we broke up, uh, went our own separate ways and it ended up. He was doing gigs and I was doing gigs and, that was just. Were you were you were you both calling it bad finger or was it Joey Mullins' bad finger or Tommy Evans' bad finger? How they how they call it? You know, to tell you the truth, I can't I, I can't uh, remember, and I don't <laughs> I, I don't really know if I called it bad finger or Joey Mullins' bad finger. I think it was called bad finger though. Uh, uh, um, yes. I think it was. Nobody owned the name in those days either. The managers have never trademarked the name, so any could anybody could have had a band. Uh, called Bad you didn't think of it. You know, the real that. reason that I did it myself was I, I called our lawyer, uh, Tommy and, and my lawyer in LA, and I asked him what was going on with the, with the record deal. And he said, well, you're out of the band, you know? Oh. And that's, you know, to me, uh, well, that, that ticked me off, you know? So, Understood. Yes, sir. Anyway, uh, and thank you for that. <laughs> but it yeah, didn't, it didn't yeah. do either wow. of us any good, really. Of course, we we um, we couldn't make a settlement because we couldn't get the money in London. Uh, this a thing we've left out here. When when we found out that Polly was stealing the money, we asked Apple not to pay any more royalties out. Right. Okay. So, um, right. and Apple were good as gold and did that. Neil Aspinall opened an escrow account of his own and put all the Apple royalties that were due to Badfinger in that account. And then he went to the court in London and he gave that account to the court. And they held it. So they were, they were right. holding the money in London. And none of us could get any money from that account until we all went to court and agreed on the deal who got how much money. And right. uh, we tried to settle it. We tried to do it. We got lawyers. We got Tommy and I had lawyers. Uh, our own, you know, together. Together we were trying to get this this done. And it was never, we could never settle it. Peter died. Uh, Tommy was a bit cagey about the original deal and there were reasons for that. And I don't want to go in into them because... That's okay. I just don't want to go into them. It's nothing to do with me. I swear to God. I yeah. swear to God. Understood. Okay. The, the, but mm -hmm. there were reasons why we couldn't make the settlement. Um, and it, that, that argument went on until 1985. Uh, and uh, by wow. then, Tommy was wow. dead. You know, he, he, yeah, he now, committed suicide in 1983. I, I know. And, and that's the... the 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 final you know the whole tragedy of of Badfinger is you had two members end their lives tragically like this and and Tommy ended it the same way that 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 Pete did 
by hanging. And it's just a horrible, a horrible way to go. And I, you know, did after you guys, I guess, I guess you guys weren't talking at that point, right? Well, we I mean, were, we were talking once in a once in a blue, and I, I, I talked to Tommy very shortly before he died. I had an argument with him actually, but uh, well, but there was no indication that he was having troubles. Well, he told me he was going to kill himself, so I guess it, I guess he well, was he having troubles. But uh, yeah, what can you do? I was living in Ohio in Columbus. I was making a solo record, a Joey Mullen record, as it happened. Right, and, uh, right, I actually right. had called Tommy uh, a month before or so, and because the record label said, "Call Tommy up and ask him if he wants to make a record." Um, he, he didn't wait; they didn't offer him enough money, so he wouldn't do it. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, that, that was. But the, you, yeah, you were working on a solo album at that point. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the after the Pearl record, right? That came out eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now. Since that time, you've released several solo albums, you know, After the Pearl, The Pilgrim came out in 92, This Way Up came out in 2001, you had Return to Memphis, uh, that came out in 2013. Um, Very interesting, you did, in 2015, you went into the studios with some members of 10,000 Maniacs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a a charity record for... uh, an organization called Why Hunger. Yeah, yeah. And you and you did the you did the Bad Fingers song "Sweet Tuesday Morning" from the Straight Up. That's album. right. That's right. Yeah. Who was who? Who in Ten Thousand Maniacs was on it? Was Natalie Merchant? With yeah. You? Yeah, she did sing that. Yes, one, that's right? right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's got a great voice. Yeah, a lovely, lovely. She's her. a lovely lady. Yeah. Yeah. Now, flash forward a couple more years, and you just did a tour. Last year with Todd Rundgren, Mickey Dolans from the Monkees, yeah. Christopher, Christopher Cross, and Jason Sheff. Yeah. Uh, and you did the Beatles White Album. Yeah. That's ex- wow. That was the, like the 50th wow. anniversary song. <laughs> That's right? exactly right. Yeah. 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 Now, you, did you do any Bad Fingers songs too? Uh, we did Baby Blue on that tour. Uh, okay. And that's because Todd produced it. And, uh, um, and so Todd and I sang that song together <laughs> on the show. Well, yeah, it was yeah. Good. Hey, t- t- Todd's been Todd's been around quite a bit. I I, I saw him uh, when the when the cars got back together, like his version. Yeah, yeah. Of the of the cars, that was that was pretty yeah. good. Uh, what's it like playing with Mickey Dolans? He's got to be a panic, right? He's got to be. Funny. He's lovely. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a performer. He did. Uh, I'm so tired and stuff. And he'd come out and do a do a real performance of those songs, uh, like he's sitting around a campfire or something. And uh, <laughs> he was fabulous. I really enjoyed him. Just enjoyed him. Now, which which Beatles songs did you sing? I sang uh, Revolution, uh, and I sang. Uh, I could see that uh, the George Harrison song. Uh, while my guitar no 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 Savoy Truffle Savoy yeah oh okay Savoy Truffle I only sang those two uh yeah it was fun it was a lot of fun did did you I'm curious because I I haven't heard anything from this did you did you do it like like back to front in order or was it mixed up it was mixed up uh you you know to make a show out of it um yeah and we came, we we came and went on the stage during the stage show, and we played a couple of numbers with each other, uh, and then we were featured as the lead singer. Uh, 
So we yeah we came and went during the show. There were different people on stage. It was it was kind of entertaining, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Now, when did that wrap up in twenty nineteen? Uh, in December, late December. Oh wow! So you got it done just in time for the pandemic. Thank God you were able to get. Yeah, hit. yeah. You know we were gonna uh, do uh, another like forty shows, fifty shows this year. And uh, the, that whole thing was cancelled because of the this, pandemic. Yeah, yeah, this this year this year has been from hell. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh God! But um, I, I actually was supposed to see Roger McGuinn this month, and oh. uh, out on Long Island, he he they had to cancel it for because of the pandemic. They're going to reschedule it next year, I guess. Yeah, but uh, so that leads us now to 2020 and your brand new album that's coming out on October 16th called Be True to Yourself. Yeah. Great title. Thank you, man. Great, great title. I love Thank that. Uh, it's on Omnivore Records. Yep. And you got an all-star group of people involved. With this. Everybody from Julian Lennon, Mickey Dolenz. Who else is yeah. on there? Jason Chef? Yeah, or? Jason Chef came and sang with us. Uh, great singer, man. Wow, what a great wow. voice. Uh, you know, he's been the voice of Chicago for all these Chicago. years. Chicago. Uh, just a yeah. stunning singer, powerful, and a, and a really lovely guy to boot. And I know we say that about people, but in uh, in Jason's case, it's really true. He's a wonderful man. Um, great fun making the record. Uh, you know, we had Steve Holly playing drums, who'd been McCartney's drummer, and uh, Paulson. I, I saw, uh, I've seen Steve Holly several times with Ian Hunter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's in the rant band. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's that's an amazing show. Yeah. Uh, are you an Ian Hunter fan? Yeah, he's I like Ian. I like Ian Hunter. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you released a single called All I Want to Do. Yep. And I listened to it and I said, oh, that's bad thing. <laughs> I mean, it just really, you know, you really. Well, yeah, that's the the sound, you know. And and rainy day man is another song that that you're putting out as a single, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Actually, that came first. It's already, it's already it's oh. nowadays when they release singles, it's not like the old days where they, I know. you know, they they put them out as like teasers for the album or something. Uh, so yeah, rainy day man, and then one called uh, I don't uh, I don't want to be done with you. And then one, then the one you just mentioned. Uh, all I want to do. Uh, Tell us about uh, Julian Lennon on the album. Uh, he he did the uh, the album cover, the back and front. Right? Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he let us or he gave us permission to use a couple of his photographs, uh, and they really worked in what we were looking at. They were lovely, love. And again, he's a great guy. You know, uh, he came yeah. in and he, he he loved the songs and. Uh, he'd learned the harmonies and then he took direction from Mark Hudson uh, as far as, you know, specific harmony melodies and things. But just a real professional, really great job. And thank you very much, Julian. Uh, I've, you know, I'd met him years ago when the Veloc came out, uh, you know, his solo right. album. And uh, a I great record, that. very successful. And so it was right. lovely to see him again and, and, uh, and do the work with him. It's great. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Okay, so I want to thank you for coming on. And thank we you. wish you all the luck with this new album. I mean, I'm going to be buying it. It's amazing. Yeah, it really, really. I'm going to have to buy it too. It sounds fantastic. Um, I don't know if you, ever, if you ever come to New York City often. Uh, definitely look us up, please. We, we owe you dinner. 
We owe you some drinks, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I'll take both. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, listen, well, can I say Rob, something? Rob, can I say something? No, Just uh, as, for the end of the bad finger story. In 1985, uh, Tommy's estate, Pete's estate, uh, our personal manager, Bill Collins, Mike Gibbons' estate, because he was no Mike Gibbons, and myself went to court in London and we settled all the bad finger difference and differences. Okay. And since then, everybody in the band has gotten 100% of everything they ever made with that band. It worked itself wow. out. Yeah, end. yeah. And, and to this day, everybody gets all their money, you know, all, and I mean, it's all their money, uh, not, not percentages, all their money. So, uh, it all yeah. worked out really good. Everybody's doing okay. I'm happy to say. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that that it was all worked out. No, in the end. no, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that it did all come out in the end and worked yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, you guys had a lot coming to you. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot of mis misconstrued about the relationships in the band and uh, people taking advantages and people who weren't there writing things about the band that they don't really right. know about. And, uh, right. you know, there are stories that will never be told because they really will affect the families, you know? They really they will look, affect there's no, them. There's no reason. The way they look, yeah, the way they look on their dads, you know, and I'm right. not going to get involved in that for you, for anybody, you know? So. Of course not. Of yeah, course yeah. not. I mean, what it's all about is the music and the, leg you know, the legacy that you guys have. Uh, I'm glad that it all worked out in the end for you as far as the finances and you know, the relationships and stuff, yeah. but it's really the, the legacy of, of Badfinger. Now, the next thing that has to happen is you guys got to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, we'll see about now, that, but, you know, I don't know the, the criteria for getting in the Hall of Fame. I suppose we should be there. Uh, I don't know what it is, and, you know, it's... Well, it's, I, 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 could, I could do a whole show on how I can't stand the Rock and Roll Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, it's... Uh, if it's going by any other band that's been put in there, you guys are are as good, if not better, than probably fifty percent of the people that are in that in that Hall of Fame. So you need to be in there. But um, like we were saying before, now now you come to New York City, you call us up. Rob here is a bartender. We'll take care of you. Oh. All right. And you're all set up, so just let us know. <laughs> okay, man, I'm game. Yeah, I'm game. Yeah, all right. All right. you guys take care of yourselves, and thanks for helping all right. me with my album. Thank man. you, P appreciate so much, and and we're gonna plug your album as we go along the next few weeks. All yes, right, yeah. Thank you very much. All right, Joey. Be God good. bless, man. God bless. You too. Bye bye. No. All right. Bye bye. You too, brother. Have a good one, Rob. Yes. Hey, so, uh, yes, Mike, we need to we need um, to talk Bill. about Bill Kelly. A nice okay. shout out. Bill Kelly's been around. He's a DJ. He started yeah. out on WFMU years ago. Uh, I've been listening to him for a long time, and 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 he did a fantastic thing for us last week. He talked about the Rock Show and mentioned me, Rocker Mike, and you, Rob Rossi. And I just want to tell everybody to check out his show, which is called. Um, uh, it's called Black Hole Bandstand, and it's on Little Stevens Underground Garage on Sirius XM Channel 21, Saturday nights from 8 to midnight. Listen to it. It's a real rock and roll to you. 
Yeah, it's a real, it's a really good show, and uh, people will enjoy it. And you know what? Thank, thanks for him for a great shout out, and um, yeah, you know definitely. what? Putting us a little bit on the map. You know, all the people, all the we could use all the help. Today we had a great guest, great interview. You guys want stuff like this, like that? You know what? We're trying to make a little budget here so we could be able to go to bigger places, get more equipment, and um, I'm looking forward to 2021. All around, you know, we're gonna start getting places, Mr. Rossi. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so, Mike, thank you uh, for getting Joey. Great interview. We learned a lot today. Like that, that back of the end shit. Holy crap! And these they all got they, the they, money. They did, but it took so many years for it to up, work man. out. But I'm glad it did. And uh, you know, yeah, those first few Badfinger albums are really classic. Um, yeah, it's like you know, must have. Yeah, they really do good stuff. Fan. So, where can we find you, Rob? Yeah. So you can find me at any place that you can find lumped up and um, just look lumped up and you're going to see my big head there. And um, you can find me anywhere, anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, and just look. Yeah, for you can Bob find Rossi me on Facebook right under my there. name, Michael Baker. Also the, the uh, Rock Show group page, the Rock Show podcast group page, I should say, you know, on Facebook where we do a – Song of the day, yeah. album of the day. We do a, a lumped up song of the night. We do a bunch of stuff. A lot of, lot of information on that page. Also, you can find me on Instagram, RockerMike212 every day. And on Twitter, RockerMike3. Not bad. Not bad, Mike. So thank you for uh, doing a great show today. It was a good, great guest. And um, we'll see you next time on Rock get the Mike and Rock get the Sense. And remember, don't get drunk, get lumped. Take care, people. Get lumped. Bye-bye. See you next week.